When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to 49 Unbeaten, the official Arsenal Level podcast. I am joined by Ben, Dan and Jack. Uh, we're here today to preview Arsenal's Europa League tie against Villarreal and talk about a possible takeover from Spotify owner, billionaire chairman, Daniel Ek. Uh, we'll start with the game first uh, and then we'll move on to the takeover news. Um, European semi-final. Uh, we are back again in this position uh, this time facing our former boss. Uh, confident, Jack, or how are we feeling? Well, I mean, I, it's, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, based off of Villarreal's form, especially in the Europa League and at home, it's not going to be easy whatsoever. They won six out of six home Europa League matches. And in six of them, they've scored twice, at least twice in every single one. So it's not going to be easy being away to that United Emery size. But, I mean, you know, you've always got to be confident. You know, I'm confident in the boys, Arteta. So, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, the news the news that Lacazette, Aubameyang, Tierney, David Luiz are all back in first-team training. Odegaard got a run out uh, against um, Everton Fulham. Forget now who it was. Um, it's, it's encouraging. We're sort of in a boat. You don't expect necessarily both the strikers to play. Maybe it's a bit too early for Tierney, but... The news they're back in training is positive, Dan. Yeah, it's very positive. I mean, to be told at the stage when Tierney got injured that he might, <clears throat> excuse me, he might be out for the rest of the season. Um, to now he's in, te- in contention for the the semi-finals, massive. And it's we think back to the last time we played in a European semi-final. We had what was it, Valencia at the uh, over the two legs, and um, we 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 won fairly convincingly. So. I think we can turn it on and we can beat these teams convincingly. Um, but I think it's going to be tough and we're just going to have to hopefully, yeah, like Jack said, be confident, but it'll be, yeah, it might be difficult. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange one because we're not in good domestic league form. Our last two results have shown that. Um, Villarreal have lost, obviously, at uh, the weekend, 2-1 Barcelona, but, you know, sort of Barcelona, you sort of always expect would do too well in that. Um, I mean, our last two semi-finals, we've performed well. I mean, Atletico Madrid, I mean, you put that to one side, that was just 
uh, horrendous game management and one mistake and it cost us. But last time we were... Yeah, oh, my God. Last time we were in this position, we, we got through, as Jack said, convincingly against a Valencia team that you thought with the players they had should do quite well. Bit I have a few of those players in their team now, uh, former manager. Is it written against us, this game, sort of in terms of the story, the narrative, Ben, or, or should we overcome this one quite convincingly? There's always a narrative, isn't there? I mean, any of the teams that we played would have been a narrative. We, if we got Dynamo Zaga, it would have been the team that knocked out Tottenham. You know, there's that narrative. This one, it's Unai Emery. The, you know, there's Francis Coughlin kicking around somewhere. Uh, Juan Foyt is on loan from Spurs, playing right back for them. So there's always these, you can always pick these narratives out. I mean, obviously we, we spoke before the show, Roma. If we play Roma, we've got Mkhitaryan reunion. Um, and obviously Man United is... Man United, there's no narrative needed there. But if, if there were, you could talk about, you know, Oni Gunnar Solskjaer not winning a trophy yet, Arteta having 1-1, um, you know, Arteta not having lost to Solskjaer in his managerial career. Everyone likes to put these narratives on. And there, I think with Villarreal, to be fair, there is more, more of one. It's just more that they're two, we're two very similar sides and that we're both out of European contention through the league. Um, both pretty ordinary sides, I think, with a couple of moments of quality. Um, for them, it's Gerard Moreno, and then for us, it's Mikhail Saka or uh, Smith Rowe or Lacazette or Aubameyang or Erdegaard, whoever decides to show up on the day. Um, but we're also woefully inconsistent, both of us. So it'll be a case of who's the least inconsistent, I think. Yeah, and it's, I mean, our, our form coming into this, I mean, you look at it sort of domestically, doesn't bode well. Poor results against Everton and Fulham. Um, again, you can attribute only so much to VAR, but. Uh, we, we, we don't want to get into that debate. Um, again, it's it's just a, such a weird one. Europe League, we seem to be doing well, and then we sort of shoot ourselves in the foot, but manage to scrape through. Um, are we are we confident on this one? Because I'm I'm in the position sort of we should win. You look at them on paper. I mean, yeah, they've got a couple of good players. Yeah, Emery's done all right with them. It's missed the Europa League, but but surely you look at that and be like Saka should play if Odegaard's fit, either Lacazette or Aubameyang. William Pe- Pepe's having a great season in the Europa League. What? But it's Arsenal, isn't it? We never know. But Jack, you sort of, you must yeah. be confident in some some respect. Yeah, you, you I mean, you know, it's, it will be tough, as I said previously, but it's similar to, we haven't had an easy run to get to where we are now. We've, you know, we've, we've had tough yeah. games. Yeah. But as you said about, you know, similar to Olympiacos, what happens the season before. That's the reason why we were nervous. I said the reason why we are potentially not so as confident is just because of the Emery narrative. Yeah. If we forget that Emery narrative and the fact that, you know, last time out, you know, smashed, you know, Slavia Prague 4-0, that was against all odds. I was not thinking that whatsoever. <laughs> so I think, you know, with, you know, as players coming back, you know, Tierney, Aubameyang, um, you know, we, we, you, we've got First team senior players come back that can influence that game, and as you said, Ben, if they do step up, whatever Arsenal team does show up. But you know, if those players do step up, I think we should. Although it will be tough, we should be confident in ourselves. And unless I forget as well, the most important thing, Williams fits. So, European um, <laughs> <laughs> experience, then you know we can always call on him. I mean, like we said, we're what tenth in the league, ninth in the league after that result, and results going against us. They're seventh. I mean, not lost as many games, but 
it's it's a really difficult one and I think we always back like that we don't necessarily back ourselves because of previous results um uh, yeah like the Olympiacos is a great one ended up going through that I mean we were what well, I was worried I don't know about you lot just because of the way things ended last year I mean you never know with you never know with Arsenal do you um if we could we could be five and up and you'd still be worried <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, we are away first, aren't we? I think. How decisive could this away goal be? We saw it with Chelsea in the Champions League against Real Madrid. They get the away goal. Even if they draw, they go into their home leg as favourites. We we have to consider the away goal being a vital uh, vital cog in this in this tie down. Yeah, yeah. If we have a chance to, to nick a goal or a couple of goals, then that could be massive for us. And you've got to back us. I think with Unai Emery's style of play and with our style of play, it's two very attack-minded uh, sides. Yeah, we've we've struggled with creativity at points in the season, but um, I think with Unai Emery's, he is very much emphasising attack and uh, there could be a lot of goals, um, but I think we, we have to just remain the composed side and um, David Luiz being back for me is the big one as as much as he is seen as a um a rash player and he has moments i think he his leadership skills and his presence in the dressing room and in that kind of back four is very underrated and i think him come uh thursday night him being back in and around that starting 11 hopefully um could be massive for us yeah i think think if uh, louise doesn't play i think pablo mario will probably get a run out yeah, because he brings a lot more leadership than Gabriel. And if you're wanting to play holding alongside one of them, you'd probably choose Pablo Mari just in terms of um, they haven't, the, the strike force that Villarreal have in Alcacer and um, Gerard Moreno. They don't have a lot of pace about them. They've got a lot of sort of physical presence, but there's not a lot of natural speed there. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I think that if you're bringing in someone like Pablo Mari and Rob Holding, neither of them are going to be quick and they're probably exposed if there was a faster striker. But um, looking at the side that Villarreal put out normally, unless uh, well, Chuck Way's the aside, really, um, yeah. they've sort of got quite a slow, methodical side um, that are quite technically well well, well suited to the way Naomi wants to play. So I wouldn't be surprised to see those two playing in defence. Pablo Mari, uh, he's a Villarreal fan though, isn't he? Is he? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it came, it came out. He, he apparently is a, he follows Villarreal and Valencia. So, oh, I tell you about then. We're going to be playing um, Callum Chambers and recording at some point. Yeah. I mean, Barry, Mary did do the media duties. Yeah, uh, this he, week, didn't he? So you sort of quite a big Villarreal fan, apparently. So it doesn't want to be a tell, but often if you do the media duties, you're you're in contention. Um, true, true. I don't know, Benny. You sort of you being that bit older than us might remember the game against Villarreal 2006 I think it was if I'm not mistaken um penalty shootout I went to Lehman with the save I think it was um penalty wasn't it yeah Raquel, um I mean we obviously cannot that. we can't we can't take that into any consideration but I mean historically does the tie favor us I mean I think that if anything, Villarreal will be looking for a, a reason to get revenge. You know, they don't, they've, they've got so many things that they could draw on. Um, you know, Unai Emery himself will be wanting to out, outthink Arteta and prove that he was wrongly um, ejected from the Arsenal hot seat. You've got, obviously, the game that we just talked about in 06 uh, um, with Raquel May's penalty being said by Lehman. 
that's you know that's huge because that was was that the last semi-final Villarreal were in? I think we knocked them out in. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I mean, I could be very wrong there. I've not uh, followed them religiously um, no, over no, that time. It was certainly a, a contentious moment um, for the history between the two sides, and that's probably the last time we've played them. I think so. so. It would be a case of you know looking back, but then again. That was a, I mean, football's changed a lot since then. Do players really care about something that happened 14 years ago? It's not exactly like for the badge as much anymore, if that makes sense. It makes me sound really old saying that, but you know, a lot of players are there for the global brand of the club and not necessarily for the history of the club. Like if it, had been, if it, if it was Tony Adams and Steve Bold playing tomorrow night uh, on Villarreal's side, you'd be something different, but it's not. Yeah, I, th- I think I think something more fans hold on to than. Current crop, I don't think any of the corporate players really know or care too much about it. Maybe maybe some of the Hale End graduates sort of know about it, but apart from that, um, we say it, I seem to say this and ask the same question every game. Um, over these two legs, is this make or break now for Arteta, the current form that we're finding ourselves in? Um, the way things have gone, Super League fans are up. I know it's not being against Arteta or the management of the club, but you've got to think, I mean, if the Cronkies are still there, this is their investment. This is their business. Things aren't going their way. Get any manager and give him a hundred million quid and we'll sort of, let's hope fortunes change. I mean, league wise, we don't look like we're going to qualify for any competition. Um, I know we've joked about the conference league. That looks beyond our graph now anyway. Are these two legs make or break now? Massively, massively. These are our only chances to get into Europe. And I think for the future of the club, no matter if it's Kroenke or if it's Daniel Ek, then it's going to be huge as to they will want us to be in European football for the brand and for the, the brand that they're going to be investing in and representing. So it's especially, as well as for us as fans in our summer transfer plans, I think we, we want to have a higher transfer budget where we can... Obviously, there's going to be so many losses anyway within the season and uh, through COVID and that. But when when fans come back into the ground next season, we're going to want to have the highest level of competition. We're going to want to have the the highest level of players we can bring in. We want to be able to target top, like players like Jack Grealish, like um, <laughs> some of these big names that um, we want to sign, rather than potentially looking at some Maximan. Like, yes, he's a good player, but we want to be buying the best of the best, if that makes yeah. sense. Is, is his job safe? I mean, in all honesty, yeah. I mean, because I, there, there are a few sections of fans I've seen around that genuinely are worried that if we go from whatever it was, eighth and eighth in FA Cup to potentially tenth and no trophy, isn't a good enough. I mean, you'd expect if you, you win the cup, you meant to progress. We've regressed. Potentially. I know this is still like, we're a week, a month away from from knowing what situation we're going to end up in. You never know, we could go and win our next four games and finish sixth. It's all hypotheticals, but if we get knocked out of this competition, Ben, can you see Arteta being sacked? Or, no. or is he just completely safe, in your opinion? It's. I think it's a difficult one for a lot of people to understand, especially fans on the outside. I know I'll be speaking to a lot of you know fans on group chat saying, you know, there's no there's no reason why his job should be safe. Um, you know, Chelsea obviously pulled the plug on Lampard with far fewer 
bad results and when they were doing a lot worse. And they, I think a lot of fans will be looking at the effect Tuchel's had on that side and said, you know, someone else could be doing the same with Arsenal. But for me, I don't see enough coherent thinking in the Arsenal squad to make an 11 that keeps everybody happy. I mean, we already see every week the, the customary where is X player from the starting 11. You know, why has he been dropped? Why is Balogun not in the reserves? Why is Martinelli not playing more? You know, why is Aubameyang through the middle now? Why is he dropped, et cetera, et cetera? You know, a lot of us... Like ourselves. We sort of, de- I sort yeah. of we, we debate who should be in the squad and why yeah, that's, there. That's, that's, that's completely fair enough. But I think the point is we, we don't, amongst fans, I don't think, know our best 11. And I don't think we have a best 11. We have, we, we've spoken about it a lot on this uh, podcast about like combinations of players that work really well. So we know down the right, Cedric and Pepe works really well. Um, and we know, you know, Tierney and whoever on the left, because let's be honest, Tierney's basically two players. Um, holding and Murray. Yeah, Holding and Murray or Gabriel and Louise, but you can't play um, Gabriel and Holding because that goes all over the place. And then it's sort of a, I don't think there's enough quality in that squad to, especially with the playing every three games, every three days. Yeah. You know, yeah. with European commitments as well, I don't think there's enough quality in that squad to really make it much higher than where we are. When you then factor in, you know, Abamyang not outperforming his XG for the first time since he's joined us. Um, you know, we've had a lot of injuries to, especially with Tierney out, um, and that that failing to cover left back is a huge problem that we, you know, didn't get right in January. But that we're really suffering for that, and I think there's a lot of these things that sort of you can see improvements, but the end product isn't there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I, I cannot imagine in any world, I mean, unless we have a disastrous end to the season and get knocked out and finish bottom half, that he loses his job. Um, a, it would cost too much money. And B, you sort of see players buy into the projects, although results haven't necessarily gone our way. And I think I saw a VAR said that we've had minus seven net decisions um, for us. Is all who are. Um, but players seem to like the project and like like the style, and he sort of found that with Odegaard to be thrown the ten, with Saka, with whoever it is on the right, whether it be Pepe or Willian, it, it's a project. And I I know Arsenal fans are now tired of this word, and probably all fans are tired of of the phrase "it's a project." But you've got to think long term. And I said I said I don't know about you. When Emery came in, I said you've got to give him two seasons just to let that. Because you, you, can, you can't go from Wenger and that long-term longevity, same old, to someone new and expect a return straight away. Mm. We, we, got, we gave him, what, one and a half seasons, not even... And, and You can't make the mistake with Arteta. Let's be fair as well. Arteta and, I suppose, more specifically, Edu, in terms of their hit-and-miss ratio in the transfer market, have been pretty good. Um, you know, they bought, they've done quite well with Cedric, who I think has been fine. He he obviously got a loss uh, loss um, issues when when we bought him from fans, you know, saying he wasn't good enough and why are we signing a twenty eight year old, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Pablo Mari's been fine again. I think he's been a lot better than a lot of Arsenal fans expected. Yeah, I mean, no- Matt, Ryan, Matt Ryan's a sensible. Matt Ryan's fine. Party uh, and Gabriel both immediately improve our starting eleven when they play, so they're sensible. The only one you can really have huge question marks over is Willian, and then obviously the personal relations that have gone on with Saliba, Gwendouzi, even Reese Nelson to an extent, 
Um, but there's, that's that's going to happen with every squad. And I think because Arsenal are so under the microscope because we're not performing, everything is blown up hugely. I think Willian's also a Kia Drabchian yeah. factor rather than... I mean, I can't imagine Arteta was like, right, I want you to go and get me Willian, who finished wherever he finished with Chelsea and at 32 or whatever, how old he is. I mean, I, yeah, I, I assume that's a Edu Kia Drabchian thing rather than a Arteta target. Um, I, we've sort of covered it. I mean, we'll go for predictions and then we'll get into talking about Daniel Ek. Um, again, we don't know team news yet. We're still, as we're recording, a day away from the game. Um, we know who's training, who's in contention. Um, Jack, we'll start with you. How, how could you, what's your prediction for the game? How's it, how's it going to end up? Well, uh, they're, they're definitely going to score. They're definitely going to score. So, but I think we'll get an away goal. I think it'll be 1 1. I'm going to go 1 1 draw and then we'll win uh, at the second leg. Oh, I like, I like it. I'll take that actually. Dan? Um, oh, it's a tough one again, but I, I agree with Jack. I think it will be, I think there'll be goals. Um, I don't have enough faith in us to complete, completely keep that clean sheet, but um, I'm going to say 3 2. Okay. <laughs> ben? <laughs> Um, I I was going to say one one, but for the sake of being different, I'll say two one to the Arsenal. I mean, we're not. I'm never going to predict to lose, and I can see us. I'll be honest. I can see us being quite comfortable in this game, provided we actually turn up and play some football. Um, but obviously, Arsenal have the issue where they have to beat Arsenal as well, and I can see us conceding a goal <laughs> just through sheer stupidity. It'll be something ridiculous, like Sabiles tripping over his own shoelaces. <laughs> and, you know. uh, again, both my predictions have been have been already used. Uh, so again, like Ben, for the sake of uh, difference, uh, I'll say three one. We seem to be more comfortable in the away legs than we have been in the home legs recently. Um, I mean, I, I, I sort of hope that we don't win the away leg though, because we are so much better under pressure. <laughs> If we yeah. if we're like Olympiacos, we turn up with a three-one away away lead, we're just going to sit there trying to hold out and just. You don't want to be too comfortable, do you? Because sort of their players get too cocky and think it's all over. Um, just a touch yeah. on it sorry, real quick, Josh. Um, sorry to interrupt, but like, no, what do you guys make of the whole Sabah situation? And he's come out this week and he said he said some quotes. He said that he feels that um, he's learnt a lot in the Premier League, but he thinks that. La Liga is best for his style. Do you reckon he'll actually with Sabaris? Do you think that's that's that for him now? Like, do you think we'll keep him or? I think that was that for him two months into the season. To be perfectly honest, I think I think we we brought it back for the sake of bringing it, like sake of bringing him back. I mean, he had a good end to the season. Sort of, I it made sense. It made sense a year ago to bring him back, didn't it? Sort of, he hit that form. He was playing well. Scored the winner in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Uh, and then we sort of got to that point now where the issue with Genduzi, he went, Torreira went, and there was no real cover in that position, and we never, we didn't know what was going on with Elneny. Um I won't be sad to see him leave. It, it's, it's not, he's not set the world right, has he? No, I wanted him to stay when he, when he did, um, when from the FA Cup final because I think he was one of our best players, and I did really enjoy watching the style of football he played, and I think he was crucial in that that squad um, but it's, it's just not worked out for him this season has it and I think if he played well 
and he'd been consistent and he'd kept on that kind of form, he would have, we'd, we'd have wanted to have signed him permanently or, I mean, to be fair, you've got to sign him permanently at that stage because you can't have a loan for three years, can you? So, it, I mean, yeah. on, on, the, on the talk of players, um, I don't know if you saw the quotes from Lucas Torreira's agent earlier today. Uh, he basically said, um, his time's up in England, whether that's Boca, he's got offers from France and Italy, that's where his desire is to play. And it's basically all over in... Yeah, game game to Italy. Yeah, I mean, Italy makes the most sense. He's, he said that there's Sampdoria. I mean, Boca can't afford his wages anyway. Or the transfer... I mean, that... I mean, I, I don't understand the point of playing playing there. But there's no... decision At the end of the day, he's still an employee of Arsenal Football Club. He can't be just going, I'm going to this, my time's done here. Like, that's, the, that's for the club to decide and for... Well, a joint between him and the club and his agent to decide. Like, you can't just be coming up publicly and slating us in a way, you know what I mean? That was more his agent. I think agents obviously talk for players a lot. Yeah. Um, now, I, I I can't confirm. So, yeah, it's Terrell, it's his dad as well, isn't it? Should, uh, I do not think Lucas will play for Arsenal next year. If it's not Boca, his destiny will be Italy or France. Uh, we are left with desire. Instead of generating joy, we generate an inconvenience to Boca's leadership. Right, I mean, let's be fair. He's he's a uh, he's what twenty five now, twenty six. Yeah, um, he's played a minimal amount of minutes at Atletico Madrid. I remember there was a lot of talk of Simeone trying to spite us by you know dropping his value or whatever. Um, but it just to come out and make claims like the truth is he probably won't be playing for Arsenal next season, but that won't be for any you know agent manoeuvring that would just be because he hasn't played enough minutes at Atletico Madrid so why would you play for Arsenal mm. I mean we we could have a Mohamed Oneni in there quite happily instead of Lucas Torreira I think I mean I'm not happy with Oneni instead of Torreira but I understand the point I just think with Arsenal, with Arsenal we've got too many players that sort of want to dictate terms to the club and it just seems a bit ridiculous get you know Torreira can go Guendouzi if he's not willing to shape up can go ship out the ones that want to act like they're too big for the club and bring in players that actually want to be part of something that is trying to be built. Well, I mean, according to Josh, it's no chance our plans have been curtailed as of this uh, Super League announcement. We've still got big ambitions and big promises and we need them to be delivered. Um, on the talk of the Cronky name, um, right. After a horrendous weekend for them, a week for them, really, with the Super League protests, poor, uh, poor result, um, Daniel Ek, who is the billionaire founder and chair of Spotify, I think I've always jumped up to right there, has expressed a desire and interest to buy Arsenal Football Club. Uh, as an Arsenal fan of 30 years, um, he seems to have a big desire to have a, uh, the ownership of Arsenal you'd expect as a fan has big ambitions and wishes. Looks like he has the support of Vieira, Armory and Burkamp. Um, is this all good to be true? I've, I've just started to get that feeling of guy who owns a reputable, semi-reputable, but well-established company is an Arsenal fan, has the support of three, arguably R3, but three of the biggest legends uh, to ever play for the club. Three players who were loved by every fan in the world of Arsenal. Um, I mean, whether the Congress accept it or not, it sort of feels almost too perfect, Jack. 
Yeah, he's, he's even got the back in a Wenger as well. Can you imagine that? And yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we, we'll have, if anything, we'd have our Arsenal back. But three of the biggest Arsenal legends on the board. You've got an Arsenal fan who owns the club, you know. But I was reading something in the week, um, or watching something during the week, not to get our hopes up too much. Let's just see where it goes. But, yeah, no, it's very exciting. And, you know, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of all Arsenal fans, I'm sure we want it to happen. <laughs> yes. So, but, no, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And if it does happen, it'd be great for the club and it'd be great for the fans as well because there's a lot of talk with getting that interaction with the board back with the fans, you know, because yeah. that's where it's gone wrong. It's there's Since Conky, you know, um, bought the majority of the shares, that relationship between the board and the fans has just been, there hasn't been one, to be fair. So to have an Arsenal fan and someone who wants to rebuild Arsenal from the ground up um, with the input from the fans, you know, that'd be fantastic. That's what that's what we've been calling for. There's There's been takeover talks before you've sort of had Usmanov, you've heard a couple of names, um, or still not really come to light. You, Usmanov concrete bought him out. There was clearly no intention or real intention there. Mm. This one, you sort of think that it's been in the works for a while. The announcement makes sense of the timing of it because you wouldn't, you wouldn't get the support of Henri Burkamp Vieira in the space of a day or two. You wouldn't get the funds within a week. Uh, do you disagree, Ben? Sort of, or do you think this is going to come up very, very recently? I don't know, and I also don't know. Is it is it's an improvement, but is it what Ars- like would Arsenal fans rather that the Cronkies came out and spent money? Do we think, or do you think they'd rather a board that say say Daniel Ek comes in, changes nothing about the financial structures of the club, keeps it completely self sustaining, and then brings on you know more interaction with fans? Is that what fans? Because I for me the majority of Arsenal fans I've seen are excited by the prospect of Daniel Ek coming in to change the. You know, it's a bit like a Sheikh Mansour or a Roman Abramovich coming in to spend a load of money on new players. And that just seems like it's sort of mis, misdirected anger at, at the Cronkies if they just want the Cronkies to spend money. But the thing, the argument with the Cronkies is, it, like, they claim they're going to invest in the club in, oh, no, yeah. in the summer. But they're like, if you've not done it for the last 10 years you've been here, why all of a sudden now? Well, no, uh, no I, I agree entirely. And I'm, I'm firmly against, uh, anti-Cronkies, but... I'm just trying to understand the, the position of a lot of Arsenal fans. It seems to be we'd rather someone came in, even if they didn't really care about the club necessarily and spent a load of money than someone who comes in like Daniel Ek, who cares about the club, but keeps the self-sustaining model going. He said he wants to make the club better, though. He, he came out today in his, his, um, his, his interview he did, and he said he wants to make the club better and he has the welfare of the club at his, his, the forefront of his mind. So you've, you've got to kind of take that. And the Cronkies have said it and they've not backed their talk for so long. And I think for someone like this to come in, I think it'll be a very fresh and welcoming start in which a, a, a chance to give this man a chance. And the Cronkies, we've given them countless chances. And putting it bluntly, um, a couple of weeks ago, they tried to take our club away from us and move it into a financial position, which would have made us much weaker and have like effectively we'd be looking at our club from a point of view as legacy fans and they 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 quite literally tried to take our football club away from us and I think 
that was the final straw for a lot of people, like it's been said over the weeks. And I think this opportunity for this, a fresh face to come in with uh, new ideas, with uh, an open mind to fan representation on the board, uh, wanting to get club legends involved in the club as well, I think is something that fans see and they're like, they, they like that idea because it's a fresh, new look kind of Arsenal, which respects and represents the values a lot more than what this kind of stale old Arsenal's come to and grown to be understand Kroenke. I saw I saw the um, part of the AFTV live stream uh, earlier, and there, no, there was no. I I understand, but they posed an interesting question: Would you rather win the Europa League, qualify for the Champions League, and keep the Cronkies, or miss out entirely on European competition next season, but with the guarantee of Daniel Ek or a new owner come in, and we have, like Dan said, have our club back? And sort of then then reinvest and build for the future. And we, which I think I think as a question is an interesting thing because it's like what you've been saying, Ben, is the, the fans want sort of purely the cronkies out and don't care who it is that comes in and replaces them as long as it's not them. Or do we want someone who's actually coming in who cares about the club, who wants to be re- rebuild the club, and we take a hit we take a hit on sort of short term success in the view that we're getting our club out. we're getting the fans involved on the board potentially we're getting someone in who who wants to wants to help the club rather than using it as a as a sort of dodgy financing deal for his LA Rams if we get into the Champions League through the Europa League and the yeah. Conquest stay we will be the same club we will finish bottom of our group we'll probably finish the same position as we have this season because the Cronkies will still be there and they won't go, you know, proven before. They have promises and they haven't been, you know, you know, they haven't been made. So, you know, they haven't, they haven't gone on their word. So I would rather, the state that Arsenal is at the moment, Arsenal is not Arsenal. Arsenal at the moment is not the club that I grew up loving and love to watch. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would rather us not, in, in, in that situation, in that, you know, those two options. Hypothetical. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I would rather Arsenal not get Champions League. We get knocked out, you know, in a week's time to, to Villarreal. If that means that Daniel Ek comes in and rebuilds Arsenal from the ground up, gets that relationship back. You know, the, you know, some fans aren't even, you know, there's, there's divide between fans as well, most of the time as well. So, you know, if, if someone's going to come in and rebuild Arsenal, rebuild that relationship, you know, make it the club that we grew up loving and, you know, we... We want to see, you know, you know, grow and develop and yeah. continue to achieve. Then I'm, you know, I'm all, all day long. I'd rather miss out on Champions League next season if that means that we get Daniel Ekin. Is it the same consensus across the board, Ben, or or you would you would you rather take the European competition and the the money that the Champions League brings and the uh, uh, finally a European trophy? I think a lot of owners are going to be, uh, you know. Not cronky level bad, but a lot. No, no owner is going to be, no matter what they say, willing to take you know hundreds of millions of losses year upon year, especially not one you know who's like Daniel Ek who's built his money up from Spotify, etc. etc. Um, and the projections for Spotify and the amount he'll be worth in a few years is ridiculous. I can't see him willing to trade all that in to take on what is you know a, a financial burden in Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the money we're spending at the moment and the way we're trying to cut back on wages, et cetera, et cetera. 
But I think that despite everything you said about Arsenal not necessarily being Arsenal, there's nothing that the Cronkies can do to change the fact that winning a European trophy in six weeks' time or four weeks' time, whatever it is, would be probably the greatest night of our lifetimes as an Arsenal fan, whether we feel like this is the club we grew up with or not. You know, that's going to be tainted regardless if we get knocked out, if we, if we win it. But winning a European trophy is just something that we haven't experienced. And it will put, I think, a lot of the... Yeah, no, of course, yeah, I'd, I'd love to win the Europa League. I'm not saying that I don't want to win the Europa League. I'm just saying in that, you know, in that situation. Yeah. But, but know, I, so- think, I think that there's a lot of possibilities within what Stan Kroenke is not doing to make positive changes. I don't think we'll be as bad next season as we are this season, for example. I don't think we'll be significantly better. You know, I don't think we'll be challenging for the top four. But I don't think we'll be this bad. Um um, you know, maybe that is naivety to a long, to you know, a large degree. But I think that there's movement in the right directions. There's players coming back that are going to be improvements of what we have. There's a lot of money that can be raised through sales. Um, and you're looking at sort of even Joe Willock, who's now 20 million to keep scoring, keep bumping that value up. There's a lot of money within the club that I think needs to be utilised. Sorry, that could be utilised. Um, and it is horrid to have. Stan Kroenke is an owner. I make no bones about it. But I don't necessarily think that his non-existence makes it impossible for Arsenal to compete on at the top level. It's a, it's a tough one. We, we don't know the state. The Kroenke's have said that they absolutely have no intention of sending the club or entertaining any offers, whether that's a, a bluff, whether they're just trying to drive the price up remains to be seen. It also remains to be seen, like you said, give us a week, give us three or four weeks. Let's see where we're at. Let's see where we end the season. Let's see what happens in Europe. Um, and ultimately, if we do end up still under the ownership of KSE, if they deliver on their promises, because we've been promised, again, a good summer with high ambitions and transfer targets and plans. And we know where we need to improve. And that's, that's good for anyone to see. Um, and as fans from Arteta, for Edu, I mean, I think Josh is controlling director. I think Stan just is supposed to give the money, but takes money more so. Um, if they deliver on their promises, and then if we're at the start of next season or whenever the transfer window closes, if we're not in a better position than what we expected to be, then I think we can reassess. Uh, but there's no there's no official news. It's just all rumour and speculation and um, negotiation at the moment from Daniel Eck. That is it for this episode uh, ahead of our semi-final tomorrow. We will be back Friday. I think we've got two for you, you lucky two people listening to us. Uh, we will have a review of hopefully a comprehensive European win. And a preview of our trip to Newcastle. <laughs> um, I think it's Newcastle at the weekend, isn't it? Yeah, Newcastle away. That long journey to, to at least at least Joe Willock's going to be ineligible. Yes, so they can't score a ninety seventh minute equaliser. Um, we will have two for you this weekend, and then we'll be back next week to review Newcastle to look ahead to another semi final, uh, second leg, and to look preview our West Brom game so we've got a lot of episodes coming for you in the near future with a lot of games coming 
So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, follow everyone you've seen today on all social media platforms. Links are in the description. Uh, and have a nice evening. Um, I will speak to you soon. Goodbye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.